So last time we were together, I actually shared this, uh, these two verses from the Bible. I mentioned it, and then someone was like, hey, where is that found? So I wanted to put it back up there for people. But it comes from this book in the Bible called Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I consider this to be like one of the base notes of More to Life, like some of the bottom ground that has been underneath us for, honestly, almost three years now that More to Life's been happening. Um, it's something I think about. It's something that is close to my heart about how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds because I think we all desperately need love. And I think we're all trying to find a way to live a good life and inspire those around us and have an impact and make a difference. Now, right? <laughs> hey, we're going to get to that. Um, so tonight, our talk, YMTL. YMTL. So it's now 2018, which I think is totally crazy. Because I remember actually buying the first animated Transformer movie for my son Silas when he was younger. And it began by looking into the future. And it started with these words. It is the year 2007. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, dang. I'm like, we're looking into the future. That's crazy. So it's 2018. 2018. And I think it's always nice to circle back around and to revisit why we do what we do, why we get together, why MTL exists, why it's an option, and why it's a good one at that. So a quick little background, In and I worked with students for like 15 years, students and families in this local community. And through the process, we found that we really liked meeting together consistently and having a story and a framework through which you kind of move forward together. You kind of take these steps. It was time spent together, and that space attracted students. At Sky, we challenged one another, we excited each other, we connected, we encouraged one another, we learned, we nudged, we grew. It was about inspiring, asking questions, being reflective, being transparent, listening to one another, sharing, laughing, crying, praying, eating. It was about being authentic. There was all kinds of fun, and we did all sorts of things. But after all of that experience, and when our time was done, I had an adult volunteer at Sky approach me and say, are you going to start something else, like in the local community? Like, he's like, I love helping and showing up and being a part of this for students, but I wish there was something that I could just kind of go to. And if you would start it, I would come. And then I had another person who said, hey, if, if you are thinking about starting anything up, like I'll cover whatever you need in rent for like a year. Like I'll, I'll, I'll put that up and I'll pay for it. Had another person say, hey, if you'll do this, I'll actually tithe to something, which means I'm going to give you a certain amount of money every month to make it happen because I know it can't just happen. And so we had these people approach us and say things like this. And, and we were trying to dream up, like, well, what would we do? 
you know, like we encountered so many students and families over the years that had expressed that they need space, that they need time to connect with other people, to also reflect and to be inspired and encouraged and challenged. All of the things on this board. So when our time was officially done working for Sky, we decided to create a space for adults and students that are curious about spiritual things and emotional health. We decided to create a space that hopefully people would be attracted to and it could like bring in people who feel like they want it or need it when they need it or when they feel like they want it. A space that people could carve out time for intentionally and say like, yeah, I can make that be a part of it, part of my schedule. I can, I can figure that out. We can work that in. And you know, a space for people who agree that like we need to meet together, not just over a screen, not just necessarily with a smaller group of people, but like a group of people, like that perhaps some of them I don't know, but a space like this. And so hopefully at this space we can do all of these things. And I feel like these things have happened over the past three years. Now, I also thought of Lego Batman when I thought of YMTL. And I'm guessing that the majority of you haven't seen this amazing film. Now, I know, he blinks. He's winking. Yeah, I put that up there just to see. Yeah, he's moving. Now, Lego Batman is a movie that I watched with my two youngest boys. And it's hilarious, first of all. Secondly, the character Batman in this movie is supposedly thriving at being dependent and alone. I mean independent, sorry. I said dependent. He's supposedly thriving at being independent and alone. That's the facade he puts on. He's a superhero who doesn't need anybody or anything from anyone. And of course, none of that is true. As the movie goes on, they make all sorts of jokes about him not having feelings. He doesn't even know what they are. And he doesn't connect to anyone. At one point, he says, because he always says in a raspy voice, he says, I don't do ships. And what he means is, I don't do relationships. He says it. And he's like, he says, I don't have relationships. I don't do them. I'm not connected to anyone. And no, nothing is real like that in my life. And so the whole movie is honestly about him doing ships, right? That's the whole movie. When I think about us as human beings, as brothers and sisters of a very, very large family, I always come back to that idea that we are not islands. As much as sometimes we act like we are, that we're not islands. Because we've only ever known community. That's it. We've been born into it. We're right in the middle of it. We're in the thick of it. We're connected and we're interdependent. That's where we are. That's home as we know it. Now, we're all here and we're with each other, but every single person walking around, the first year of MTL, I drew this picture a lot. Every single person has tremendous depth to who they are. So I'm putting the stick figure with the levels of depth that just get wider and wider and deeper and deeper. Too often in our community and in our lives, we don't see that depth in one another. We barely see it in ourselves. 
But to know yourself is to know your depths. And to know someone else is to know theirs. Your depths provide the context. They're the frame. They're the story in which you live. And your story matters, the story of you, because stories change everything. The story always matters because we need the context. Now, I'm going to put up a picture here. I want you to see it. Oh, hang on. What's going on here? Here we go. Yeah, right? Oh, look at that baby. Such a cute baby. Now, recently, I was traveling, and I saw this baby. And babies are just cute. Everybody wants to hug them, touch them, smell them, all that kind of stuff. And I was just amazed at the baby that I saw because what you don't know is I saw this baby standing in the boarding line getting on a plane, right? And so this cute, adorable baby was suddenly not cute and adorable anymore. It was kind of cute, but mainly I was thinking, like, that thing's on my plane. <laughs> is it going to be near me? Is it going to be loud? Is this baby going to impact my ride on the plane in a negative way? Or what's happening here? Right? Babies are all cute and cuddly until they're on a plane. And then it's like, no, I don't want to see the baby here. I'd rather see it anywhere, anywhere else, literally. Find a penny. Pick it up all day long. You'll have good luck. Did anybody pick up the penny I put back there? Nobody did. I put a penny on the floor. I just tried. I was trying to see if anybody. It's right there to your left. Down. See? I was just going to see if anybody would pick it up. Nobody bent over or nobody saw it. I don't know. Did anybody see it? You guys didn't even see the penny. Anyway, so, penny, quarter, dollar, hey, you see it on the ground? Go for it. You know what I mean? Maybe you'll have good luck. Maybe you're just one cent richer. Now, I happened to see a penny recently, and I did not want to pick it up. It was under the urinal at Target. <laughs> And it didn't look like it was going to bring me any luck. And I'm telling you what, Penny's going to be there for a while. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes the context and the story surrounding something like provides so much depth. And it can change everything. The truth is, your story and your context tell us so much much. The depths of who you are that often we don't see or that you don't share reveal so much about who it is you are. And oftentimes, if you're like me, you get hung up on some of your depth. And I'm going to try and frame that better for you. I'm, I've been watching this show with my boys called The Ultimate Beast Master. It's on Netflix. It's kind of like American Ninja meets American Gladiators, if you've ever known what that show is. Now, you have competitors from all kinds of countries all over the world, and they're competing to beat 
the beast and become literally the beast master. It's this huge course. And you go through it, and every time you pass a certain level, you get a certain amount of points. And throughout the various levels, there are these things called point thrusters, which give you even more points, but they're placed in difficult, precarious positions and areas, and it's hard to get to them. Meanwhile, the whole thing's being timed, right? So the fastest person with the most points advances on, right? And then they'll come back and they'll be like, well, you got so many points, but you did it this fast, and they assess everything. Sometimes my story, I can get hung up on whether or not I'm getting the most points, whether or not I'm going the right way, or if I should have taken a turn. I'm getting hung up on like, what should I do now because I don't want to have regrets later on at the end of my life. And I'm just not sure if I should do this or that. And it starts coming down to this idea that I carry with me, which is like, there is a best way to live my life. There's a best way. Get the most points and do it the fastest. Right? Like, that's the best way. And in fact, there's probably a perfect way. And so sometimes I get hung up on my depths, on my story. Maybe I don't even want to share it because it's not measuring up to how I thought it would or the way that like, I feel it should. Maybe I feel like I've taken some wrong turns or I've got some regrets and there's some issues. And so I get hung up on those things pretty easily. I personally do. I don't know if like, that's ringing true for anybody else here, but I feel that one all the time. So this idea of perfect, I hate that word, A. I hate the word perfect. Um, I'm a perfectionist, damn it. Um, we can find ourselves beating ourselves up and, and kind of like retreating and not sharing our depths. I don't know if you've ever heard someone who you felt like had the perfect life admit out loud that it isn't perfect. I've done that and I'm like, yeah. I mean, it makes me feel so good. I'm just like, oh, so they have X amount of money. They're doing this sweet job. They're killing it over here. And like, they just said out loud that their life isn't perfect. And then they go into some details. And it's so helpful to me to remember that living my life and the depths of who I am, none of that is about being perfect that life isn't about living it the best, most perfect way. My story isn't about that, and it doesn't have to be about that. Our story can handle the imperfections. In fact, it kind of thrives on them. I tell the brides I work with and the grooms, because brides aren't the only people that stress, because I've been officiating a lot of weddings. I did 80 weddings in the year 2017. It was awesome. This is a couple I officiated for at Sapphire Point. And that boy was not supposed to be in his arms. Right? But he didn't want to go to anybody else, and he didn't want anybody else to hold him. And he was making that very clear. And so he wound up in his dad's arms during the ceremony. It was awesome, first of all. Now, I told brides and grooms that I work with, we're going to work hard. We're going to plan. We're going to prepare. And we're going to talk through the details, sculpting a solid plan A. But I'm just going to tell you right now that weddings happen according to plan B. 
that's how it goes. So the beauty of plan B is this. It's your story. It's yours. It's not anybody else's, and it's 100% yours. So from like split pants, the groom, 15 minutes before the wedding was sliding down a railing. I was there at this one. Had the wallet in his pocket, split his pants from like here to here. It was amazing. <laughs> Suit pants. 15 minutes, we're like sewing that thing up. Like it looks so bad. It's their story. <laughs> from split pants to lost rings on the day of, are you kidding me? Their story. To bad weather, snow in September, outdoors, their story. These imperfections, they're pretty great. This was a couple I officiated for up over in Keystone. Up the gondola, down the gondola, up the gondola. We're back there. We're locked in. And the sun was setting, and we're all in the shade, freezing. And you can't see it in the picture. I wish they could communicate like temperature, but they can't. We're dying. And the pathway was down, and all the guys are wearing dress shoes, and they're just slipping and sliding the whole way. If we had videos, it was amazing, because the girls were able to wear snow boots underneath. And so they were keeping the guys up. It was so funny. <laughs> I laughed at every guy coming down the center aisle. It was amazing. Again, it's plan B, and it's their story. Your story is yours and not anyone else's. There's tremendous depth to your being. You are living your story, and keep in mind that the imperfections make it yours. And they make it so unique. And remember how I said, like, I've talked to someone who I felt had the perfect life, and they told me they didn't have a perfect life, and then I was like, ah, it was the sigh of relief. Your story has that power as well. And you might not even know it. Your story can do that for others. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be communicated and put out there for other people to hear and encounter and experience and embrace. Your depths could offer others unspeakable healing and comfort and hope. Your story could be the very thing that someone else desperately needs to hear. I went through this period in my life and I didn't think anybody understood what was happening to me or how I was thinking or how it felt. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those places. And you're like, surely no one else has ever felt this way. They've never encountered this. They've never experienced life at this kind of a level, at this kind of a hurt. And I was reading this book, and there was this chapter. And I read it, and I bawled. And I quickly made copies. And I sent it to like 10 friends, you know? It's like, she just put words to exactly how I'm feeling. This is it. I know when I've been with you and I've tried to tell you, I've been like, oh, yeah. But this is it. She just said it. And her story gave me hope. If anything, it just told me, you'll get through this. There will be a tomorrow after this experience. It was incredible for me to read her story. Now, I'm putting up this picture. This was taken in the 70s. This was the picture that's noted as being blue marble. And it was taken. It was one of the first pictures that showed us the southern caps of ice. And it was amazing. And it, this is special because shortly after this picture was released, the song 
It's a small world after all was written. We were on the brink of discovering that the planet, the Earth, that we live on really isn't that big. Before, it had felt a little limitless, kind of boundaryless, and like exploration was still happening. But, but this kind of summed it up for us, and we're like, oh, it is a small world. Like, we do have limits. We do have boundaries. We do have neighbors, and they're not going anywhere. We're all sharing this tiny place that we call home. Now, it's the year 2018. The world seems to be shrinking at an alarming rate as far as like food's concerned, population. I mean, there's a lot happening. And we can travel, and like the world's pretty small. Jody has been around the world recently. Yeah. She's got a twin brother who lives here. And I asked them, I was like, so, I mean, do you guys ever talk at all? I mean, like, they're like, every day. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, when I was your age and I traveled, like, I never talked to, to my parents, my sister, anybody, because you couldn't. It just didn't happen. The world has gotten so small, so fast. And even though I speak about that, I do believe the distance between us as human beings is the greatest it's ever been, which is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. We realize how small the world is, but there's this great disconnection between us as people. Like we're believing we are islands somehow. From the politics that divide us greatly to the devices that promise to be the architects of our relationships, we've grown more and more isolated. And I have to mention our frantic lifestyles. We have accepted a chaotic pace of life as normal. We have said, this is okay, it's cool. We can handle it. And like suddenly you get home and you're tired and you look back over your day and you realized you didn't talk with anyone about anything meaningful. You didn't connect. You didn't even care throughout your day. Like I just don't see how that's a good positive thing. No, that's all good. Now, when I think about YMTL, one of the things that comes up for me is something that Jesus said because it's always made a huge impact on my life. He was in some kind of conversation, and there was someone basically saying, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's tons of rules. There's tons of things you could do. You could talk forever and teach us all this, but why don't you just sum it up? <laughs> right? Sum it up. And so Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. To sum it all up. I've read lots about that statement and about how people felt like it was a reducing statement, but it's actually an enlarging statement. Like it's, it's opening up. It's something so simple, but it's so flipping hard. <laughs> like it's so hard to do. I want to share this story with you from World War I. So during World War I, on and around Christmas Day 1914, the sounds of rifles firing and shells exploding faded in a number of places along the Western Front in favor of holiday celebrations in the trenches and gestures of goodwill between enemies. 
On December 7th, 1914, Pope Benedict, I don't even know what number he is. I'm horrible at Roman numerals. <sighs> Exposing myself. Um, suggested a temporary hiatus of the war for the celebration of Christmas. The warring countries refused to create any official ceasefire. But on Christmas, the soldiers in the trenches declared their own unofficial truce. Starting on Christmas Eve, many German and British troops sang Christmas carols to each other across the lines. And at certain points, the Allied soldiers even heard brass bands joining the Germans in their joyous singing. At the first light of dawn on Christmas Day, some German soldiers emerged from their trenches and approached the Allied lines across no man's land, calling out Merry Christmas in their enemy's native tongues. At first, the Allied soldiers feared it was a trick. But seeing the Germans unarmed, they climbed out of their trenches and shook hands with the enemy soldiers. The men exchanged presents of cigarettes and plum puddings and sang carols and songs. There was even a documented case of soldiers from opposing sides playing a good-natured game of soccer. Some soldiers used this short-lived ceasefire for a more somber task, the retrieval of the bodies of fellow combatants who had fallen within no man's land between the lines. The so-called Christmas truce of 1914 came only five months after the outbreak of war in Europe and was one of the last examples of the outdated notion of chivalry between enemies in warfare. It was never repeated. Future attempts at holiday ceasefires were quashed by officers' threats of disciplinary action, but it served as heartening proof, however brief, that beneath the brutal clash of weapons, the soldiers essential humanity endured. I love that story. Love your neighbor as yourself. There can be great distance between us, but we can do it. In other words, love your depth, love your story, Love your imperfections, embrace yourself, and then love your neighbor's depth. Love their story, love their imperfections, embrace them. I believe we're meant to enter into our own depth and the depth of others, that our stories are meant to be shared. So why MTL? Our stories are meant to be shared. You have a story, you have depth, you have imperfections, and so does your neighbor. Everyone else, your neighbors, they also have a story. They possess tremendous depth, and their story is far from perfect, but it's meant to be encountered and embraced. So, until next time, may you see the truth that you are a deep, deep being. May you let go of perfection. May you come to realize that you are living your story and that your story is truly a beautiful mess. And may you share your story to connect with others and offer them true healing. May you realize that it is a small world after all. And may you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And finally, May we not give up meeting together and continue to spur one another on toward love 
and good, good deeds. Amen.